You're listening to Wednesday Wonders on the Mutual Audio Network. Be amazed. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Welcome back to the Carlson Chronicles. The 13th of May, 4062, broke into a beautiful winter day. Rachel and Tad Johnson had negotiated a deal with the Comanche chief. The rest of his warriors wouldn't let him back out of making an agreement with the freehold. They would starve without their help. Falling Deer would only sign the agreement if the Robson's son was there to make sure nothing was amiss. He respected the Robson. His son had already gained the respect of the Comanche by standing a firewatch talk with Kessa and the foresters. Falling Deer would wait for the Robson. You know, as young as Ian is, this is interesting that the Comanche see Ian in his father's place and title. As the narrator, you just can't help getting pulled into the storyline. Ida pulled the half-track smoothly through the doors of the freehold garage. This had been a strange trip. Two feathers had slept the whole drive. Granted, the mud had made a 40-minute trip take an hour and a half. Ian and company had made it to the elevator, so the conversation died out. It was a short ride from level 23 to level 3. They had reached Rachel's door. Ian noticed the door knocker was now missing. He laughed as he pressed the button in its place. I'm going to miss watching Rachel and whoever else is in this house scramble to catch the wall hangings before they hit the floor where the door knocker was used. Carrie went back out the door to wait on their ride. Lunch would be started for the others once Carrie got to Ian's quarters. Ian's group left for his apartments. They were looking forward to being in the freehold for a couple of days. Rachel, on the other hand, was going to be busy. She had to find a way to get 200 solar panels to the Black Sea, or BS, freehold without crossing the Atlantic. Okay, maybe that's an impossible task. We'll have to wait and see. Cassie and Kelly Kirkson were in Kelly's office because Cassie's place was still under construction. Oh wow, that was juicy. I think we should eavesdrop in on their conversation. I've already caught bits of what they're saying myself. Do you know why the scribes spent 200 years put the spot to build the first colony? I do. It was extremely well documented. It was in the scribes' journals, and the arbiters agreed. Let's just say it had to do with access? That's all I can say. How long would it take to drive back to the freehold? It took Ian and company almost two hours this morning. What's your point? Have you got a few to come up to Ian's scribe's hold? Sure, if it's important. It could be. I'll ask you to keep your most trusted communications manager, private communication keeper practices in mind. Okay, but I don't understand. In other words, it's to be a secret without letting on that it's a secret. Got it? They headed out of the office to walk the 200 yards to Ian's cabin. That was a long walk. I wonder where this is going. Cassie has never been secreted before, let alone kept a secret herself. Interesting. Let's catch up with them at the scribe's hold. Welcome, what brings you here? Ian and company left the freehold this morning. The maintenance crew is due to service the Sterling and check the dam and water wheel. So I got left here. 
We used to leave it closed off for a week at a time. Ian wants someone here all the time. Plus, he and Kessa have assigned me as your guard. Rory is, is to shift the guide and travel with you. He's the scribe. So that's what we do. More and more of Ian's journals and notes are to be stored here. I really don't travel much. Why do I need a guard and a guide? Oh, wait a minute. On the other hand, we wouldn't want the Seneca Indians to get their hands on his documents related to the negotiations going on with the Comanche chief, would we? You are definitely correct. We would not. The Seneca would use the information to grab the land the way they did from the Miami and Cherokee. Their compound just east of Grand Lake is a fortress because no one else trusts them. I think that kind of intrigues why Ian wants someone here. I would. You're enough of a guard all by yourself. No, I'm not. <laughs> but the radio is fast enough that I would have help in a hurry. Exactly. Ian wants to safeguard what will most likely be his primary home. For that duty, I remain proud. By the way, what brings you here today? I have to go into my father's records in the basement. I need clarification on a few points of law. <laughs> Make sure the door is secure. I am, but Kelly must also be made aware. There is urgent business that cannot wait for Ian to return. Kelly will see me off. Please make sure that I can get back through. Here, touch my hand. Then you'll be able to find me in the chaos when you want to return. What's that all about? Sinana is an empath. Well, we need to get down into the basement. Come on, Kelly, let's go. Down they went into the basement under Ian's tower. A steel-clad stone door stood at the far end of the room. The carved and painted words of the door read, Forrester Scribe Passage Door Number Two. Kelly let out a sharp intake of breath. Is that one of the mythical doors that they scared the babies with in the freehold? Kelly, it must be kept secret. Never can it be allowed to be used against us. Those geology reports we read this morning have to be a part of Ian's decision process when he gets to Anadarko. I'll go and deliver them. The radios have ears that don't need to know what's been found. What do I do, sit here and wait? Only a few moments will have passed for you while I have had the time to catch Ian and eat lunch with them at the freehold. I'll literally be right back. Cassie opened the door and the shimmering event horizon lit the tower's basement. Then she disappeared. Kelly just stared. Sanana closed the door but didn't set the bronze bar that normally secured the door. T, I suspect it will not be long before she returns. I could use a cup. I'm not really a tea drinker. Coffee is becoming a habit. Before they could head up the stairs, the door opened and Cassie returned. She had a bag of coffee beans in one hand and a leg of lamb tucked under her arm. Holding both treasures out for both women to see, she said, Told you I wouldn't be long. Does every freehold have a scribe's passage? All sanctioned freeholds have one. The choice of placement was based on proximity to a passage. My people believe the passages are places of magic. The scribes came and began to leave their companions to teach. So now we know that it's an anomaly of relativity. Many have done the math. Magic is science and that has yet to be explained. Miss Cassie, you'll want to rest.
just for the appropriate amount of time. You don't feel the drain yet, but know this, the time paradox is always a risk. Why doesn't the entire freehold know about this? The records from 2300 to CE, or current date, suggest that the existence of the passages were well known. Where was there to go? Everything was dead on the surface. So, the passages fell to disuse. Now, we have need of them. The scribes have kept the knowledge alive so we'd have access to them. The arbiters have whole sections of the code of laws, which deal with their usage. I have to rest. The danger is in the person's mind. To be at two places in the same space slash time creates a paradox. Five miles proximity is within the limits of a place. I'll dream of what has happened when I was at the freehold this morning, but sleep lets the mind experience the overlap without damage. I was never very good at math. It just seems to be like magic to me. I'll keep the secret because to tell anyone would invite some folks to think I'm crazy. Kelly went back to her office in the Colony Administration's temporary prefab. Cassie went to rest. What kind of crazy place is this? I knew that Einstein predicted such things in his theory of relativity and published the corrected proofs in the theory of special relativity, but to come face to face with an anomaly is overwhelming. Who needs Star Trek's transporters when scribes' passages occur naturally? <laughs> I see a movie coming. We're going to take a short sponsor break. We'll be right back. Imagine the world around you is nothing but an illusion. Creatures of legend wage endless wars between shadow and light, but you never see it. Even now, dark forces threaten reality as we know it. But most people never know they exist. This is the world I walk in. I am called Byron, and these are my chronicles. The Byron Chronicles, available at ericbosbypresents.com iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere else podcasts are available. Ian and Two Feathers were at the infirmary door. It was time to talk to Falling Deer. The Comanche chief was on the mend. Two Feathers opened the door and they went inside. The nurses saw Ian and pointed to one of the glass and stone cubicles toward the back. It would offer a measure of privacy. As they entered the cubicle, Fallen Deer looked up. You are real. I had my doubts. You even looked like a younger version of your grandfather. They never told me any of this before they brought me forward. Interesting. Thanks. I've read the agreement. Why wait on me when food and medicine could already be on its way to your people? The scribes have been fair to my people when others would take advantage. For nearly 150 years now, we have been sending our young warriors to the school in Muskogee. The creek gave aid, even when we didn't want it. The elfin people look down on us because of the curse the San Antonio Freehold inflicted on the Comanche. Night vision is only good at night. 
or far-sighted day vision leaves us vulnerable, so others can close in to attack us. Two feathers showed us our folly more than once. We will accept from you the offers of food and help. Because you command the elfin people, even if you're too young to know as yet. So I will sign the papers Two Feathers holds in that folder. We will help. All you really had to do was ask. It will not be easy to join with the Apache in Anadarko. The alliances that existed before the world ended had many pitfalls. Our mutual distrust kept us from joining their associative government before now. Two Feathers, do you trust them? I trust Ian. The Apache are who they've always been. They can be treacherous. The cattle balance the impetuous ones. Ian has promised to intercede. I can accept that. I will sign your papers. It was done and the Comanche were no longer a threat. It turned out that Fallen Deer spoke for the Fort Sill Apache as well. When the Apache warriors were asked, they bowed and made it clear that the Comanche were teaching them the ways of truth once again. You've been listening to the Carlson Chronicles. We will return in two weeks with another episode. The Carlson Chronicles is written by J.A. Babian, narrated by Charlie Wyrack III, and starred Tom Cat, Mark Poland, Ellie Hirschman, Tim Evans, Julie Bowles, Tracy Babian, Malcolm Clays, Daniel Abaday, Josh Patillo, Mikey Henderson, Echo Uncles Bay, W. Bruce Jaworski, Krista Huffaker, Brian Birch, James Roberson, and Sarah Patterson. Produced by PurviewProjects.com. Casting and art design by Tracy Vadian. Sound design by J.A. Vadian. Carlson theme song by Sven Newcons, used with his permission. Background music by David Presley and Studios, and used with his permission. Special thanks to the Comanche Nation and their archives at www.comanchenation.com, also known as Lords of the Plains, and their Comanche Museum and Cultural Center, located in Lawton, Oklahoma. For more info about the show, visit www.carlsonchronicles.stemdiff.com. Special thanks to EricBusbyPresents.com for the use of the names Byron, The Pale Man, The Iron Dead, used in tandem with the crossover episodes of the award-winning The Byron Chronicles, Beyond the Veil, featuring David Alt as Byron. Chauncey Haworth, Mark Slade, and Lothar Tuppen. The demented minds behind the Twisted Pulp Radio Hour bring you... Twisted Pulp Magazine. A journey beyond surreality to worlds you never knew or hoped existed. Worlds of the supernatural. Worlds of dark satire. Worlds of nightmarish futures. Twisted Pulp Magazine. If you thought the 21st century was weird enough already, think again. Twisted Pulp Magazine. A step beyond your grandfather's pulp. Available at digitalvaudeville.com. That's D-I-G-I-T-A-L-V-A-U-D-E-V-I-L-L-E.com. Music.